morning, everyone. Hope all's well. Okay, good. Morning, Rabbi. How are you doing? All good? I hear you gave the most wonderful shiur. I don't know if it was on the Shema or, or for Shabbos or, or when. Can we have a repeat sometime when suits? Uh, yeah, you'll have to be a little bit more specific. Okay. I'll have to try. <laughs> I'll, I'll get more detail. Okay, no problem. Okay, thanks. All right. Okay, I'm going to try and uh, just quickly share my screen with you. Um, give me a second. Um, Okay, here we go. Okay, hopefully uh, you can see. All right, so here we have a, um, a photocopy of a piece of uh, our parsha this week. Um, what we're going to look at is a very well-known Pasuk in our Sedra Pasha of Akev, where the Sedra talks of the land of Israel and the produce that's indigenous to, to the land of Israel. Um, and it tells us that there are seven species which we are, which we are well aware of as being um, set out here as indigenous and therefore uh, in praise of, uh, of the land of Israel. So the Pasuk tells us here in Hebrew that um, Hashem brings us to a good land. And it tells us that the land has, it's a land of Eretz Chitaus or Rav Gefen Rimon. So this land is praised as being a land of uh, wheat, barley, grape, fig, and pomegranates. And then it tells us Eretz Zed Shemen Udvash, a land of olives uh, and uh, date honey. So these um, seven species are well known to us as, in Hebrew we refer to them as uh, the Shiva Taminim, the seven species of Israel. And um, we're going to look at them as, as uh, through the lens of the Gomorrah, which, uh, which tells us about these particular um, seven species with regard to the dinim of, uh, of brachot. Um, now, essentially, um, at per, the, the Gomorrah that we're going to look at gives us a little anecdote, a story, but it's, um, it's based on the following principle. The Gomorrah tells us in Masechet Brachot that there's a litmus test that can be used to determine if an individual is uh, a truly holy person. And uh, one of the ways to, to tell how religiously engaged a person is, is to take note of how they make brachot over food, blessings over food. 
um, possibly even broader than that, benefit of any kind of phenomenon in the, in the natural world. Now, the world of brachot is, uh, gives expression to the fact that we recognize that Hashem is the master of all. And therefore, when a person wants to have benefit from the world in which we live, we first recognize the currency to be able to, so to speak, purchase the ability to benefit from anything in this world. Um, that currency is recognition that Hashem created it. And so the, the whole world of brachot in general is an expression of hakarat atov, appreciation of what Hashem has done for us. And the more a person um, engages in the exercise, uh, it's generally an indication of how well they understand the benefit that Hashem has given us. And therefore, very often, the more detailed the bracha is, um, it just shows how, it demonstrates how much more the person has thought about um, what he's actually benefited from. So very much like uh, if anybody gets a truly thoughtful gift from somebody, the more that the person who gives you the gift knows about you and the more thought they've put into it, it can generally be expressed in the level of detail, you know, where in which the gift comes. So if they know your favorite color, your favorite food, your favorite perfume, your favorite piece of jewelry or whatever it is, if they can all work it out and they put time and effort into thinking something that really talks to you, that demonstrates the level of closeness. Um, yeah, it's a similar thing where Hashem uh, instructs us through um, a logical medium where we we logically come to the conclusion that we have to recognize where things are where things have come from and then by, by thereby by giving gratitude we um we understand to express that to Hashem. so the more detailed we have it uh, the greater the affiliation to this idea is and therefore this has given us uh, a whole host of brachot for almost very very specific areas of uh, of benefit so when brachot are recited sincerely, they reflect a, a proper outlook on life and help instill important midot, important character traits, specifically akaratatov, the gratitude to Hashem. <coughs> now, it's interesting that in this, in the case of this particular pasuk, um, there's a whole discussion with regard to this pasuk uh, as to how it affects the uh, concept of brachot that one makes over these particular foods, specifically that these particular foods uh, represent a unique category of mitzvot, which not only uh, of brachot, which not only give hakarat atov, recognition to Hashem for, in, for them as fruits in themselves, but because they are tied to Israel, they also have a whole, um, the, the, the set of gratitude that's offered here is about the land of Israel itself. And so, bearing this in mind, let's have a look what, uh, what the Gemara tells us about this. So the Gemara over here, let's see if I can make it bigger. Yeah. So the Gemara over here says as follows. The Gemara introduces us to an anecdote where it says here like this. Rav Chizdevarav Amnuna Havuyatri Vesudata was sitting at a meal, uh, in the course of which they brought before them dates and pomegranates. 
Shakal Rav Amnuna Brichatam Rav Amnuna took and recited the blessing on the dates first. Amalai Rav Chizda, Rav Chizda said to him, Lo Sfirelai Mar, Lahad Amar Rav Yosef, Vitaimar Rav Yitzchak, do you not uh, do you not hold of the following uh, psak or decision or practice that is said um, in the name of of, uh, of Rav Yosef or Rav Yitzchak? Kol Amuktam bePasuk Zeh Kodem Libracha, the order of, uh, of the order of these seven species as listed in the pasuk. This is the order that should be followed. Whatever is mentioned first in this verse is first with regard to the recital of a blessing. That's, uh, that's the aloha that's, uh, that's been taught. So and according to that teaching, the blessing should have been recited on the pomegranate, which is fifth in the verse, rather than on the date, which is seventh. So looking back at the verse now again, yeah, you see the following. It's a land of there's wheat, barley. There we go. Wheat, barley, grape, fig, and pomegranate. Pomegranate's number five out of seven. And they and Ravamnuna made the made the brocha on the dates, which is number seven. Pomegranate is five, daytani is seven, in the order of all of these, of all of these um listed listed fruits or species so he asked him how come you made the brocha on the daytani number seven before the pomegranate number five so um rav amnuna responded as follows i indeed hold that teaching uh, you know, the teaching is correct that you should follow a certain specific order, um, a chronological order as uh, written in, the, in that pasuk. However, uh, the, the nature of what is meant behind the order has another, another dimension to it. And that is the, the date is second fruit, is the second fruit mentioned after the word Eretz, while the pomegranate is the fifth fruit mentioned after the word land. Dates therefore take precedence um, over pomegranates. So let's have a look. Basically he said like this, what the Rabbonim, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yitzchak, what they taught was that there is a chronological order, but it's not, it's not as simple or straightforward as you think. Rather, it all depends on the word Eretz. So here it says, like this, Hashem tells us, the land is praised by these species. It says, a land of wheat, barley, grape, fig, and pomegranate. So that is a set of five fruits, five species. And they are in a chronological order, but all relative to this word, Eretz, the word land. The land, the word, the phrase, the land is then repeated a second time. And, um, the chronological order after the second expression of land is olives and dates. So Ramnuna uh, uncovered a dimension of, of uh, what possibly was the original psak, which Rav Chizda had missed. And that is that there is a chronological order, but a bit complicated. 
it's it's whichever species uh, features closest to the word land. And since the word Eretz is mentioned twice, so you have two you have two ways of measuring this order. So instead of the order being a simple order, you know, of which is mentioned first, it's an order of which is closest to the word Eretz, the word land. So according to Rav Hamnuna, the order of making brachot when this whole fruit salad is is uh, is put in front of you. So you would go like this. Wheat is number one because that's closest to the first time Eretz is mentioned. Wheat is number one in the order of these brachot if all of them are in front of you. Wheat is first. Then you go to olives as second because olives is number one mentioned after the word Eretz, but the second Eretz. So this is how the brachos will go. Wheat, number one. Olives, number two. Barley, number three. Dates, number four. And then, you know, grapes, number five. Figs, number six. Pomegranates, number seven. So this is the new order of how we make brachot based on this pasuk. So if you had a if you had a fruit salad of sorts, right, where you had all of this in there, wheat would be a bit difficult because wheat would have to be um, edible. But you could you could basically toast it, let's say. Um, wheat and barley, you toast the grain to be palatable, give a bit of crunch, let's say. And you had all of these fruits in a in a in a in a salad, in a uh, in a fruit salad, you know. Even if you took out wheat and barley, which are grains, just because practically we don't normally have them in fruit salad. But you had all of these fruits, you know, grapes, figs, pomegranates, and dates. That would that would have that would easily be in a in a fruit salad. So this is the order of what over which brocha you'd make um, first. So let's say uh, let's say uh, second night uh, Rosh Hashanah for argument's sake. So you're looking for uh, you're looking over for for new fruits, new seasonal fruits over which to make a shechianu. And you've got all these fruits, you know, set on a plate over here. So pomegranates you would always have. Uh, um, and you'd have figs, grapes. Don't know if you'd have olives in there, but let's say you had them. And dates. So, yeah, it's interesting that uh, because of the proximity to the land, Eretz, dates gets hiked up from being number seven in the Pasuk, you know, to number three out of the whole list. And possibly... You know, dates would end up being number one in a in a, in a classical contemporary you know fruit salad. So you have to sort of work out or learn this pasuk well, so that you can know the order you know of which bracha to make to make uh, to make first when you have a have a choice of all of them. So this is uh, so this is the new order. This is the order that we paskin like today. Alakhically, practically speaking, you know. Wheat is number one as far as brachot are concerned. Olives number two, barley number three, dates number four, and then grapes, figs, pomegranates five, six, and and seven. And that's what's being taught to us over here in this in this Gemara over here, as to this discussion between Rav Chizda and Rav Amnuna with regard to the the order of the brachot. I want to see if there's anything interesting once we've got the 
arts crowd in front of us. Let's see if there's anything interesting in the footnotes. Um, okay. All right, so he has an interesting point. Um, all right, so yeah, it's just talking about brachot in general. Uh, yeah, it just gives a footnote to, to explain, I think, what we've just done. The word Eretz, land, is mentioned twice in the verse. Land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates, the land of oil and Daitani. Ramnuna explains that the significance of each fruit is, is judged by how soon it is mentioned after the word land. According to olives and dates, which are the first and second. Okay, that's what we did together. Um, yeah, okay. Fine. That's what we did. So after this exchange, in the anecdote reported in the Gomorrah here, Amalai Rav Chizda responded to Rav Hamnuna's insight by saying to him, Oh, that we would have tireless feet of steel that we could then follow and attend you constantly. So he gave him a big shkoyach, basically. Thanks for uncovering and explaining that particular insight. Okay, that's the, that's the story in, in the Gomorrah over here. Okay, fine. Now, uh, what we uh, what we need to appreciate about this is um, is the following: Why why did the Torah do it like this? So, you know, this is a very complex way of setting up an order. So, if you wanted to give us uh, this particular order, so we could well ask why Hashem in the first place communicated that way. Why didn't Hashem, Hashem just go? You know, Hashem brings us to land which is a, a beautiful land. And this land is praised by the following species. Leave out the word, the second Eretz. If you want the actual order like that, you could go. So, um, you know, and then you carry on. You know, with the with the rest of the with the rest of the species, you don't have to have the second eretz there. Just put it in the order that it should have been in the first place. That is a, a classic question on this particular on this particular story. So, what's interesting is this idea that I want to share with you um, by Rav Cook. Rav Cook asked this question, and he homiletically suggested uh, a, a unique approach to this to this idea. Why is the land, the word Eretz, land, you know, mentioned twice in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Pasuk? So he said as follows. He says that it represents two different loves of the land of Israel, two different relationships of people to, to Eretz Israel. Um, and, and one, you can see the, the, by knowing or understanding the metaphor that's, that lies behind each of the fruits, you'll be able to determine that each fruit represents a person, an approach, um, a relationship with, uh, with Eretz Israel. And so this is what uh, Rav Cook suggests. 
there are those there are those who relate to Eretz Israel as a land which has all the spiritual qualities that Hashem had in mind, uh, which match Am Israel's character. And therefore, the shidduch between us and the land of Israel is a perfect shidduch. It's got all the kind of ingredients in there that uh, help shape help shape who we are. But of course, there are two dimensions to our relationship to the land of Israel. One is uh, spiritual. You know, the, the holiness of the land of Israel as it's defined by its uh, sense of, of halachic kedusha, sanctity. The sanctity of the land of Israel has many dimensions to it. People who are tamay, impure, have come in contact with a dead body. So you can walk around the entire land of Israel, but when you get to Yerushalayim, you have to start, uh, depending on the level of your impurity, you have to start being cautious as to where you can and can't go. That, that's a huge discussion as to where all the different demarcations of the land of Israel are with their different levels of sanctity and all the halachot that, that apply to that. But there are spiritual approaches to the land of Israel, its sanctity, the sanctity of its, of its fruits, uh, etc. There are all these different mitzvot which apply to the fruits of the, of the land of Israel. So many of us relate to Eretz Israel through these different sets of halachot, which are you know, which, which, uh, which are expressive of, expressive of, of its holiness. Uh, more than all of that, or together with that, there's the very mitzvah itself to live in the land of Israel. And uh, anybody who's spiritually sensitive is able to somehow, uh, like the verse in Tehillim says, you know, to take pleasure in this, the stones and the, even the dust of the land of Israel itself. So many, many people who... Are, are let's say learned in that regard you know connect to the land of israel through the actual uh, kedusha the sanctity of the land of israel uh, and they recognize the blessings that eretz israel provides for the spiritual elevation of the jewish people and subsequently the entire world then there are those who appreciate the land for its material benefits you know we recognize the land as a homeland for the jewish people and we work towards settling and rebuilding the land. Uh, this is a very different devotion to the land of Israel, uh, even though it doesn't take into account directly its uh, spiritual qualities. Um, however, to build up the land of Israel and engage with it is nonetheless a, uh, a good positive midah, positive trait. And so the Pasuk mentions uh, through the eyes of Rav Cook, uh, the Pasuk mentions the word Eretz twice, um, and each time it's followed by a, uh, a species, a fruit of sorts, which corresponds to two forms of connection, devotion to Eretz Israel. The first list of produce represents those people who love the land for its elevated spiritual properties. And uh, this list contains five <coughs> fruits and grains. Uh, it corresponds to the Chamishai Chumshei Torah. It represents the five books of, of, of Moshe, our Torah. And the, the devotion to Israel stems from the world of Torah, from an awareness of the spiritual goals uh, of the Jewish people and uh, the entire world. The second list contains olive oil, symbolizing knowledge, 
and the honey of the dates symbolizing material contentment. And these fruits represent those who appreciate the land as a place where the Jewish people can be successful in the material spheres of life, whether it's academic, cultural, or, or economic. So yeah, you see through the this uh, very interesting um, explanation of Rav Cook. It's very much his personality. So uh, I don't have to tell you, but history-wise, we know there was great turmoil uh, in the world of uh, from academia with regard to how one looked at the land of Israel, specifically in the late 1800s, coming into the 1900s, where you had these two groups of people. Even today, we have the same balagan, but we had there was a massive, massive uh, argument of balagan in in the, in Europe as to how to how to view the return of the people to the land of Israel, specifically where the concept of the return to the land of Israel and to uh, engage with the land of Israel is a is a um, a spiritual concept rooted in Torah. So on the one hand, the, the return to the land of Israel to build it up is a mitzvah in the Torah to engage with the land of Israel, whether it's to live there, to build it, to provide security there. We all know that that, that going back to the land of Israel is a mitzvah. Is it a Torah-bound mitzvah in today's day and age, or is it just rabbinic in today's day and age? Is it, uh, whatever it is, it's considered a value, a Torah value. On the other hand, the way that the program of rebuilding Israel was delivered the Jewish people was through a secular movement, a Zionist movement. That Zionist movement was very complex in and of itself. You had people who were secular, but they were very respectful of uh, of the origins of religion to a point. But then you had the majority who made up the whole Zionist movement, where you, you know you had political Zionism, socialist Zionism, cultural Zionism, all of the secular leaders of Zionism in its first uh, in its first few decades were manned by different people. You know, yeah, you know, Herzl was there for political Zionism and succeeded Zionism succeeded by Weizmann and and uh, you know socialist Zionism was by Ben Gurion and uh, cultural Zionism was by Asher Ginsberg, Achadaam. You know you had you had all these different levels of Zionism, revisionism, uh, right wing Zionism by by, by Jabotinsky. Everybody had a workout, you know, they're different expressions of, of, uh, of Zionism. But ultimately, the goal was to uh, engage with the land of Israel and, and rebuild it, um, you know, for, for people. And everybody had different ways of looking at it. Some people just saw it as a practical way of saving the Jewish, the Jewish people from anti-Semitism. And others saw it, you know, with so many different uh, eyes, where culturally you'll develop a whole different set of people and Jewish intelligentsia will come to Israel and some sort from a very religious perspective. All of these people clashed in the end of the day. There, many of these had mutually exclusive approaches. And so the religious Torah world was, was, was plunged into a huge debate as to how to embrace the land of Israel. Rav Cook was one of the only uh, greats at the time that encouraged uh, Torah greats at the time that encouraged uh, the secular people to to put their full force in the land and he saw it 
with such positivity, despite the fact that he knew that uh, they were they were rebelling against Torah uh, in a way. So you can just see this whole turmoil of an argument and his whole personal uh, recommendation that the religious world engage with the secular and join with them in building up the land. You see it coming through this uh, deep interpretation of the verses over here in, in, in the Torah itself, that Hashem split up the list of the seven species, which praise Eretz Israel, split them up into two, uh, in a sense representing, you know, the two, the two um, components of how we live in Israel. We have a spiritual relationship to the land of Israel. We have a physical relationship to the land of Israel. And, <coughs> and both are um, vital to the, to the building up of uh, and the resettling of the land of Israel. Now, this is what Rav Kook saw in Rav Hamnuna's uh, lesson to us, that, that you know, the, the love of the land of Israel needs to be seen um, in, you know, from, from two angles. And ideally, the two angles have to join hands and work with each other. But, but at the same time, it's possible, in, you know, it's almost like uh, possibly a prediction, if, if you will, or a description of what that society looked like, that there were people who weren't going to follow the ideal. There were a few who were going to synthesize, uh, you know, both the spiritual and physical building up of the land of Israel. But many were going to take just the spiritual, and some are going to, and well, the majority were going to take just the physical side. But even so, Rav Cook thought that this is, um, it still connects you to the land of Israel, and still needs to be valued and, uh, and, and celebrated. And so he saw in, you know, his whole worldview was shaped like this, and therefore he interprets this Gemara that Rav Amnuna taught us this lesson, that how great is the love for the land of Israel, even when the love is limited to its physical benefits, you know, the Eretz Eid Shemin Udvash. Um, and, and therefore, when one is, you know, the, the lesson is even deeper than that. It's not just representing or trying to justify or give people who were uh, only accepting the physical nature of Israel a platform. It wasn't so much that, but it was telling you that, um, that everything matters. That when it comes to the land of Israel, when you're connected to the land of Israel, all material, um, you know, matters become spiritual ones. And the ultimate goal is that the elevated goals will automatically be realized through the bonds of Hashem's people to his land. So everything is crucial to Hashem's vision. The fact that Am Yisrael are a Torah-based nation should not stop us from coming back to the land of Israel and building it into a technological powerhouse where knowledge is exported from Israel to the world to help shape and heal uh, and contribute to, to the world. So Rav Cook had this massive vision where the, the, the land would be praised uh, in the eyes of the world by these two angles or, you know, coming together um, at, uh, at its greatest. You know, the recognition of the spiritual values together with the recognition of the beauty of Eretz Israel itself. And, um, and this is a, a very beautiful expression of what is coming out of this particular, you know, Gomorrah. We, we, we go one step further now. 
So we've answered through Rav Cook, Rav Cook's uh, approach, you know, what Hashem was doing in this Pasuk by splitting up uh, the species that, that celebrate Israel's greatness into two categories, because they represent um, two, you know, the, the two categories of Eretz Israel itself. Now, the order is going to be very significant. So now the question continues, why does the date take precedence before the pomegranate? So even though the pomegranate belongs to the first group, uh, it's the last fruit on, on the list. So wh what does it represent? In other words, we've, we've studied the halacha now, we understand from our lucky point of view, whatever is closest to the word Eretz, that is its place in the chronological order of uh, over which you make the, the first bracha when you're going to have from a combination of fruits there. So, but in a, in a metaphorical sense, you know, what, is, what does it represent? So Cook suggests as follows. The pomegranate represents those people who, like the pomegranate is generally used for an expression of its, it's got 613 seeds in it, so to speak. It's people who are from, people who are religious, who people who are observant, and they they fulfill the very dictates of of Torah. So, people who are like pomegranates are individuals who see the mitzvot of the Torah as what guides them in er in every area of life. So it's interesting that on the one hand the rimon is the species which talks to us of somebody who's committed to all the mitzvot. So why is it at the end? So so Rav Cook suggests because. It represents so many of us, many of us who are from committed, observant to Torah, but we're at the end of the list as far as our relationship to the land of Israel goes, where we're sitting here in Australia. So there are many, many people. Um, I don't know the percentage, but there are, you know, out of all the, you know, observant uh, Jews in the world, there's a huge chunk of us who, despite the fact that Israel is open and available, but we just don't go. So we have the Frumkite, you know, in, in play, but in practice, as far as our connection to uh, Eretz Israel is concerned, we remain distant from Eretz Israel. Um, and therefore, when you talk, when, when the Pasuk is telling us about those who had a, <coughs> a connection to Eretz Israel, this is the very Pasuk. You can have it's the, the you know the at the bottom of the first list are people who are very well meaning or very well practicing in terms of the mitzvot of the Torah, but one mitzvah they're distant from, and then therefore they they people who are from, but unfortunately take very few practical measures to express their love for for Eretz Israel. Whereas the date, on the other hand, is near the top of the second group. And again, that second group were those who, rec uh, rec who only recognize the material benefits of, of Eretz Israel. But as a result of their recognition of that, all their efforts are placed into building up the land of Israel. And so the Zayt Shemen and, and, and Vash, the olives and, and, and dates, um, they, the olives in his uh, reading represented knowledge, intellectual knowledge, um, technological, academic knowledge, but it, but it was directly related to building up the land of Israel. So in terms of 
uh, those this, those people who represent that building up of the land of Israel, their efforts are invested in, and as far as the land of Israel is concerned, are much closer to the word Eretz because they're taking practical steps in settling and rebuilding the land of Israel. And therefore he read through this that such a person, Rav Amuna taught, should be strengthened and presented first for a blessing. So devotion to the land when promoted in practical, concrete efforts, you know, especially within this context of the land of Israel, is going to have a much closer relationship with the land than somebody who only recognizes the land um, theoretically through, even if it's through the world of, of, of Torah. And so therefore, uh, therefore, um, the, you know, the Gomorrah would, uh, would make a statement in Masechet Sanhedrin where the Gomorrah says that there were, there were kings of Israel who, as far as religious observance were concerned, were really lacking. They were, they were known as Rishayim, idol worshipping. They were, they were, besides being uh, idol worshippers, but literally they were, they were in violation of so much. Um, yet that there was a certain merit that they had in, in, in uh, you know, in be, becoming kings of Israel. And specifically, one particular king, Omri, was, um, he, you know, the Gomorrah tells us that his reward was to become king because he established a city in the land of Israel, even though his intentions were very far from religious observance. So Rav Cook wanted to, you know, he wanted to emphasize and encourage um, every aspect of engagement with the land of Israel. You know, whether, whether he really, whether he would come along and say that, you know, looking at, a, looking at two groups of people, you know, on a, on a global, you know, or a, or a you know, a so-called um, gestalt, on a, you know, on a, in a holistic sense, where you look at the person who's uh, leading a non-frum life, but is engaged in building up the land of Israel, versus a person who has a total frum life, but he's not in Israel, you know, I don't know if, if you would have the same message going out there that, you know, looking at the entire lifestyle of the person, he would uh, he would say that the, the date comes before the pomegranate. But in terms of your specific connection to the land of Israel, the, the more direct um, building, uh, you know, the more direct your efforts are to build up the land, you would be praised more than somebody who's not uh, even engaging in the land, in the land itself. This, of course, you can see how controversial this particular approach is. This is not going to this is not going to sit well with uh, with you know with 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 the majority of the from world. But in terms of Eretz Israel, at least, you know, there's there's such a recognition by him of the value brought to bear on the land of Israel, even by the most secular of people coming to to build up the land. This was uh, this is his approach. Um, I basically took this idea um, just to to share it in a in a slightly different way. Um, you know, we 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 said uh, farewell to Rabbi Klan last night, and uh, I I I sort of you know took this principle and and just sort of took it in a slightly different direction, but you know using using Rav Cook's idea here, and that is that you know the the beauty of somebody going on Aliyah 
who recognizes the spiritual value of Eretz Israel. Um, it means that you're elevating yourself from a, from a pomegranate to now become, you know, one of the other species closest to the, the greatest of all of them the, is wheat. So if a person picks themselves up and makes Aliyah, and you know that the person's Aliyah is going to be very much a spiritual one, um, so that you've elevated yourself from uh, the bottom of the pile of being a pomegranate and now, you know, moving up the ranks until eventually, hopefully, you know, a, a total immersion in Torah in Eretz Israel is the ultimate represented by the Chitta. At the same time, Aliyah can be a very daunting prospect because you need to live, you need Panose. So, uh, you know, to wish somebody who goes on Aliyah, you know, that they should have benefit of the Zayt Shemin and Vash as well. And the physical properties of the land of Israel, you know, Aliyah is hard, but if you're able to go, uh, a, a, a beautiful broker to give somebody who goes, that they should elevate their spiritual status uh, in the land of Israel and connect on that level. And at the same time, have the benefits of the material parts of Israel, because to go on Aliyah without uh, a decent bracha of Panosa is, uh, is a really difficult task. And so, anyway, that's what I just said over, just using the idea, extending a little bit further from, uh, you know, from what we learned over here. The last point I want to mention is, uh, is, that, is that statement that Rav Amnuna and uh, that Rav Chizda ended off with. He had a, he had a kind of a, a, a cryptic way of saying shkach. He says, "Man uh, you know, oh, that we should have nigre de parzala, you know, feet feet of steel that uh, would allow us to follow you, follow you, Ramnuna, and learn from your Torah because it's such a brilliant um, analysis of 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 the pasuk." So Rav Cook took the opportunity to uh, to comment on this as well, and then. The, and, that, and and he interpreted homiletically this response as uh, as as meaning the following that um, essentially one needs legs of iron which is which is enough cook's uh, eyes courage and, and fortitude like iron in order to be able to receive this remarkable message you know and appreciate the importance of the material strength of of of, of the people and the land of Israel and so on a national level, you know, we need legs of iron, powerful means to build up the physical aspects of the, of the nation as, uh, as part of settling the land of Israel. But so it can't be that we're just weak and vulnerable to the forces outside there um, because uh, that's not settling the land properly. It has to be that, uh, you know, we have to have both. We have to have spiritual strength to create a courageous national spirit and uh, that national culture based on Torah is, uh, is is valuable beyond but at the same time we need an infrastructure which learns to protect it and uh, and learns to to engage with the other aspects of Eretz Israel and together um, both the spiritual investment and understanding and the, you know which preserves the values and the investment of koyach, intellectual koyach, and otherwise in all the aspects of building up the land will eventually be the greatest praise that can be offered to Hashem in that Am Yisrael has taken every initiative that they can, both physical and spiritual, 
to enhance and create a relationship between the Jewish people and demonstrate their love uh, for the land of Israel in total. So that is uh, that is of Cook's message and interpretation of this particular pasuk, and uh, you know, has controversial elements to it for sure. But uh, the idea has it's a glorious idea and interpretation of what uh, of what Hashem is hinting to us just through this concept of um, of the order of the species with regard to the praise of the land of Israel. Okay, so I'll uh, leave everybody here. And I uh, hope you have a great week. Thank you very and, uh, much. Uh, we need good news on that. Uh, hopefully the corona will take a dip. <laughs> I have In the meantime, Zoom has been a godsend, right? Yeah, it has. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great Thanks week, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Zagazant, all good. Zagazant. <laughs>